Welcome to the Preacher's Podcast. We are at proper 11 in year A. Uh, Our series is called Define Christian. We are looking for scripture's definition for what it means to be a follower of Christ. And today, the Christian lives as wheat among weeds. And that, of course, tips our hand as to what our sermon text and our focus for today's discussion will be. Thank you for uh, our pre- thank you to our preachers for this series. We have, as a reminder, Pastor Andy Miller from Beautiful Savior in Las Vegas, and Pastor Tom Unke from Shepherd the Hills in Las Vegas. So thank you both once again for serving. Um, let's jump right in uh, and talk about the the week in the series that we are in, Proper Eleven in Year A. Andy, could you uh, talk a little bit about this week's theme? and maybe how it relates to the overall series. What's the main point you want worshipers to concentrate on this week? You bet. Happy to do it. And thank you again, brothers, for your time and the fun privilege to be able to do this and serve in this way. The overall series theme, of course, for us is Define Christian, which throughout the series so far, we've examined, you know, sort of the convictions, the attributes, and the activities that define us as the people of God. For example, we looked at how Christians are all in, fully committed carriers, cross carriers for Christ. And then we saw how we are well rested in Christ alone, and we trust the word does it all. What comes to mind for these texts on proper 11a for me is Weltanschauung. (laughs) They, They are worldview shapers, Perhaps especially this parable of the wheat and the weeds. It's uh, it's one of seven parables in Matthew 13, which is a lot uh, of chapter rich with them. And it's one of the few parables at all that Jesus takes the time to so thoroughly explain. It describes attributes and activities, maybe uh, by extension of God's people, but particularly of the kingdom of heaven. And in so doing, it shapes our Christian perspective on the present and the future and on the way God's word works through it all. So in that way, you could say it it further defines us because of our perspective on how God's word works. Jesus gives Christians unique and deeper insight into what's actually going on in the world. It's like um, C.S. Lewis's well-known quote, He said, I believe in Christianity as I believe in the sunrise, not merely because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. Well, Jesus helps us understand not just that evil exists, but why. He reveals what its end is going to be. And it's not just, these are not just like data points from Jesus. It's not just a a cold formula of what we can expect, but rather parables like like this one empower us with patience We know who's watching over all things. We know how he does it, and we know why. And so the way I would put it is that we we cope with hope. Yeah, good summary. Uh, It is very much a a uh, future-looking text, but also one that speaks to the present very powerfully, too. Um, Tom Unke, let's go to you next. Could we uh, hear a little bit about the first and second readings today um, and how they relate to the gospel? Sure. Nice to be with you gentlemen again today and blessings to all of those men who are hopefully getting some thoughts triggered as they prepare for Sunday's sermon. Our Old Testament lesson <clears throat> excuse me, is from Isaiah 44. 
And I, there are several sections in Isaiah where God kind of lays down the gauntlet between him and uh, false gods and, and uh, with some humor, with incredible, powerful language, just showing the difference between a God who is all powerful and, and uh, independent and loving as compared to the gods that people make out of wood and stone and ideas and opinions. And so that Isaiah 44, 6 to 11 just reminds Christians, I mean, it does many things, but in the context of our theme, it reminds Christians that, yes, there are people that we live among who are going to be following after some strange ideas of what a divinity or a God is, but that should not, um, should not scare us. He keeps reminding us, don't be afraid because I'm the God who can protect you. I'm the God who's with you. I'm the only God. And so that's a powerful thought in the context of what Andy was saying, Velton Chong, looking at, looking at the way life really is. And then Romans 18, um, again, reminds us that, yes, there are sinners who are doing increasingly wicked things. Uh, it's really obvious to see that in our society, in our culture right now, too. But um, God sees it, too. And there's judgment coming and his promises are not revoked by their evil. His promises shine brighter in the midst of their evil. So all of those, those two thoughts from Isaiah and Romans fit very well in the simple parable of the weeds and the wheat. So that's a quick summary. We're in the world, but we're not of the world is a good thing to remember in this whole thing. Right, right. Um well, let's talk about that a little bit, the parable that Jesus tells, so verses 24 to 30 in Matthew 13, and then um, the lectionary has us skipping to the explanation verses, verses 36 through 43. Um, Andy, could you just uh, just say a few words about things that jump out at you in this text or uh, points that you're highlighting? We're assuming preachers have done their text study already, but what are some things that um, you might want to draw their attention to as they continue working with this text. Sure. Yeah. In the first half of the text, verses 24 through 30, you probably want to key in on the man who sowed good seed, obviously, but the, the difference between the wheat and the weeds. The word for wheat, I don't know if there's anything remarkable about it, other than it's the contrast to the zizania, which is the weeds. And it's it's not necessarily anything earth shattering as far as word study goes. But the interesting thing you can see about weeds is that they are, they ape, they mimic the wheat in so many ways. It's hard to differentiate between the two. And that's what makes them so problematic, so troublesome. And so I wouldn't focus too much on whether or not they are, you know, poisoning the field or anything like that, as much as I would say they're just uh, a discomfort, a nuisance, a frustration, which any Christian can glean from that, you know, a very clear application for the world in which we live. In the second half of the text, perhaps, I mean, there's a number of things you could focus on. First of all, of course, Jesus' wonderful and thorough explanation. But I think the way that I would go for emphasis is to the harvest and how Jesus really emphasized the harvest is coming. And so um, just looking for the word here for that, but he, it comes up a number of times and says, be patient for the harvest and discern that these things are going to be 
meted out at the harvest, the uh, the therismus. That's what I was looking for, the therismus. But the harvest and the harvesters. So we know Jesus wins already. And so we wait patiently until the end for the ultimately the, the discernment and the judgment of God to differentiate between the wheat and the, the weeds. Right, right. Waiting with patience, leaving it to God. Tom, additional thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, there's, I guess, context-wise, obviously, as Andy said, we're in the midst of several parables. And so I think the preacher would be wise to do a couple things. First of all, understand the parameters. Um, this parable, especially, there is so important to stay within the tertium because you can you can go to a lot of different things in this parable and you kind of can get lost in it. But to stay with the focal point of simply saying that they're, the weeds and the wheat are growing up together, the division should not happen now because that could be disastrous for the crop. The division will happen at the Lord's hands in the Lord's day. I mean, that's a powerful thing. Um, the other parameter that I think um, preachers should be concerned about is watch for the text for next Sunday so that you don't steal all the thoughts from the next parables if you're going to preach on the Gospels, which I think we're going to be looking at. But uh, mm -hmm. just be careful of those parameters as you're preaching that. But one other thing from the text itself that I don't know if it's a big point, but I thought it was kind of fascinating. The, one of the commentators that I was reading talked about how while everyone was sleeping, the enemy came in and sowed wheat among the wheat. Now, we're not looking for or weeds among the meat, the wheat. We're not looking for a time when Satan did that, but just the fact that that is just pure evil. I mean, the parable, if a farmer goes out and has his field all set to go and wheat is planted, and then somebody comes along in the middle of the night and purposefully um, sows the weeds and the, the evil, um, that just shows exactly what we're dealing with. So mm -hmm. application when we get to that is got to be don't underestimate the evil that we see, you know, the um, world that we live in. It's pure poisonous evil, and we need to be aware of that. So um, I thought that was a good point to, to bring out. I mm -hmm. think it stays within the tertium very well. Yeah, and I think that's what uh, the verses from Romans in the second reading highlight too, um, you know, that God takes evil seriously uh, and that he calls it what it is. Um, and that, uh, make no mistake, it, it may seem as though God is allowing it to flourish, but uh, he is not uh, approving of it by any means, and, and there will be judgment. Tom? Yeah, I think that's great to draw that parallel. And if the preacher does go down that path, um, Psalm 73 would be a great resource. Remember where, where mm -hmm. Asaph is saying, you know, I, I envied the arrogant. It seemed like everything they had was working so well for them. And then I realized when I entered the sanctuary how foolish I was because I wasn't seeing the, as Andy used the word, Veltanchung, um, I wasn't seeing it the way I should have seen it. And once I did, I realized I was a brute beast for thinking that. So that may be a direction that you go for part of this sermon is just realizing that weeds are evil. Don't envy them, even if they're growing. <laughs> no. Yeah. 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 Um, so here's a, a take on, on the sermon. Um, I see it as a, a paradox that Jesus is calling on his disciples to keep two things in mind at the same time. Um, 
on the one hand, uh, don't conform to the weeds of this world. Um, so uh, th this is kind of the last point we were just mentioning. Uh, don't get so comfortable um, among the weeds that you end up disregarding God's word and will, and that you forget that God is actually judging the evil uh, that's there. Um, on the other hand, um, don't be too quick to say our mission is to root out all evil uh, and judge it and condemn it and destroy it. Um, the parable also calls for patience, right? Let God do that at the final judgment. So, um, you know, growing among the weeds while not becoming the weeds, or as I think, Tom, you just said, being in the world, but not of the world. It's that paradox that is there. So that might be one way to approach uh, the sermon, um, kind of looking at each side of that paradox. Um, one one uh, way you could structure a sermon, and I get this idea from uh, uh, David Schmidt, who has written about this, um, uh, preaching paradoxes, uh, the first part of the sermon, you state one part of the paradox. So it might be, um, you know, don't conform to the weeds of this world. Recognize that the the, the adversary has sown them uh, and that they are evil and that there is coming judgment. Um, so state that part, don't conform to the weeds of this world. But then kind of as the, the law preaching in that section, look into ways that we go against that truth, that we do become too much like the weeds in this world, that we start losing our Christian identity um, and conforming uh, to the ways of the world. Um, and then the gospel response to that is in, in light of God's forgiveness, he, you know, he rebukes us for that through this parable. Um, forgives us, reaffirms our identity as his good planting, right, his good children, um, and then enables us to be patient uh, and await his judgment. And then in the next part, you look at the other side of the paradox, which might be, um, which is growing among the weeds while we await God's judgment. Um, and we can look at, as the law section in that part, kind of looking at how we might be tempted to deny that. Um, so God wants us to interact with non-Christians, to let our light shine, but sometimes we fail to do that and just prefer to keep our distance. Um, let the parable rebuke that. We bring uh, God's grace and forgiveness to all of us because we need it. Um, and then in light of that grace and forgiveness, keep on growing among the weeds. Uh, don't let them be uprooted yet because we want to let our light shine and we want to um, uh, let the Holy Spirit work through our witness, through our, our words, uh, through our actions, so that more people can be drawn into the kingdom. And then kind of in the final section, kind of to wrap up, you would sort of just uh, David Schmidt calls it normalizing the tension, uh, which means that you got to keep two things in mind. And this is the hard part about the Christian life. It's, uh, you know, not jumping to judgment and saying, let's destroy all evildoers. No, that's not it. We want to be patient with them as the Lord is patient graciously with us and keep on reaching out to them. Uh, but at the same time, we want to keep on uh, growing um, and letting our light shine while not conforming uh, to the weeds of this world. So kind of highlighting the tension that's there as we try to live out both of these truths. So that's an idea for preachers, um, just kind of uh, how you could approach this as sort of a paradox um, and let law and gospel kind of play into that. 
And it's kind of application oriented too, um, as we unpack the meaning of this parable. Um, uh, can I get Andy and Tom, your thoughts on uh, other ways to approach law and gospel in this text or uh, how you could go about um, highlighting particular law and gospel themes in the course of a sermon? Andy? With regard to the impatience aspect, just to, to expound upon that a little bit more, one thing I find interesting, you know, the older I get is that I don't, I don't think uh, in terms of the devil's temptations as being so general and vague anymore um, or preaching in such a way as to say, hey, the devil's out there, be realistic about it. But one particular thing the devil is going to threaten, especially in the end times, is our patience. Because we want to rely on the word of God and wait patiently for the victory we know that Jesus Christ has secured. And so while the world increases in lovelessness and wickedness, one of the, one of the real threats and dangers to Christians who are living among the weeds is going to be that your patience is tested. And you're going to want to jump to judgments and be a, become a self-appointed judge. You're going to want to, the, the sense of escape, you know, um, to find outlets and things that are not of God, not because it's necessarily idolatrous, although it is, but because you're, you've lost patience. You've lost that direct, you've lost sight of that directive of God to, to be still and to wait on the Lord. I think just to piggyback off of that, Andy, the, um, you said lost patience. The other side of that same thought is that it's very easy to become discouraged uh, if you don't have the weltanschauung of this parable where you say, look at, the, look at the rampant evil, and it sure seems like the church is losing. How many times do you, feel, do you have people thinking that? Like, why, why are all our churches shrinking and the world just keeps advancing? But um, that maybe is sort of shown by the servants in the parable, kind of surprised to find the tares there, you know, the coming back and say, master, didn't you just so good seed what's going on here? And the master kind of calms them down and says, yeah, we're just going to leave it as it is because there's a bigger plan and there's a, there's a solution in the end. So maybe to, to dissuade that discouragement by reminding people, we're in the world. The world is corrupted and headed toward its destruction, but we're not of the world. So yeah. patience and encouragement. Yeah, that, that's kind of what I was thinking with the, the, the paradox theme, uh, patience awaiting the Lord's judgment, but also not, yeah, not giving up hope, not despairing as we wait. Andy? Just a little turn of phrase perhaps you could include is we are in the world, but not of the world, but we are in the word and we are of the word too. Mm -hmm. That right. really is the key. Yeah, good thought. Uh, Tom? Um, I think another thing too is, which you can go into, the, the weeds are everywhere. Now, Jesus said the field is the world, but we don't just see it out there in the world beyond the church. It shouldn't surprise us also that within the family of believers, no, I should, don't want to say it that way, within the Christian church, you will find people yeah. who are disruptive and sons of the devil, as Jesus called them, um, sowing their, their lies because Satan knows exactly how and where to work. And so when you see scandal within the organized visible church, it should not 
scare you or throw you. Hopefully it'll drive you to the word instead of what so many people do, which, you know, sit, they sit back and stay home and say, ah, the organized church is just a bunch of people who are immoral doing terrible things. And um, there, are, there is that, but it's not the wheat. It's the weeds within the wheat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. No, no place on earth is exempt uh, from the weeds that have been sown. And we feel that everywhere, um, including within, yeah, including within the visible church. Um, Andy? Maybe one just <clears throat> one final thought on the malady is just that I, I in an increasing way, I, I've, I sense the urgency for a renewed uh, a renewed element of not not just preaching convicting law, but preaching the law in terms of hell and judgment, eternal judgment as as what sin deserves. But along with that is, I I, I sense that perhaps in our times in our culture, the naivety with regard to the devil's work is really increasing. Now Tom brought that up earlier, and I just maybe want to amplify what he said even more quit living as though the devil is retired. You know, he is, it's, it's like the old uh, usual suspects line by Kevin Spacey. You know, the, the, the biggest lie the devil ever told was convincing the world he didn't exist. And if you're reading headlines or watching the evening news every night with some kind of naive suspicion that it, it's always the people or the politicians that are to blame for everything. Well, on the one hand, you're right because of sin and sinful nature but on the other hand, this is the enemy who has sown his seed too, and still does. Right, right. Yeah, and, and it's only to our detriment if we just ignore that fact or are oblivious to it. Tom? One other thought to just mix into what um, Andy was saying. In this pericope, it jumps over uh, Jesus talking about the need for teaching in parables or the reason for preaching in parables. And then he mm-hmm. tells a couple quick parables in the middle there too. And the one that I really never thought all that much about was the woman um, kneading the yeast into the dough or into the flour, um, because it seems so simple and it's so parallel to the mustard seed growing into the size of the tree. But um, the word that's used there, she she mixed it in, or even you could translate that word hidden, hid the yeast in the dough. And I think maybe you can see a little bit of a parallel thought in Jesus' mind as he's talking about the, uh, uh, it's in the dough. I mean, it, it works its way through, and that's the danger, of course, that there's sin in the world for sure. But um, it's also found in that parable, too, the, the weeds in this one, and then that leaven that is kind of hidden. But meanwhile, the work of the Lord goes on. And I think that's the confidence we have. The work of the Lord goes on while the weeds continue to do their thing. Right. Yeah. And speaking of which, maybe we should just highlight uh, gospel emphases in this text. I see that as one that the Lord continues to do his work, even as he allows uh, in his merciful patience, the weeds to grow up. Uh, He is still doing his good work in the world and he is still preserving his wheat. Um, Also near the end of the parable. I mean, there's a, a, a gospel emphasis with, um, does he say the wheat will shine? Uh, so I think of, is it Daniel chapter 12 there? The righteous will shine like the stars, um, you know, language like that. So a beautiful gospel promise, uh, encouraging his believers to be patient, await not only the judgment on evil, but the exaltation of those 
uh, he has made his own. Uh, and then going back to the beginning of the parable too, not to overlook um, the fact that God planting wheat, that's gospel in itself too. The fact that he brought us to life through the word, through holy baptism. I mean, this is just a complete <laughs> grace as well. Uh, and that he would keep us alive all the way till the time of the harvest. Um, any, maybe I mentioned a bunch of stuff you were about to say, but any other gospel highlights that you could point out for preachers or gospel emphases, uh, Andy? The way that I've preached on this in the past is with sort of a, a threefold exposition on, on gospel. And that is the Lord is patient. The sower here dissuades his servants from rooting up the weeds yet. So the Lord is patient. And there's a, a, a plethora of parallel passages you could bring in to say why he doesn't want people to suffer, but rather to turn in repentance to him. Then also God is providing or his providence. Uh, you could cite Psalm 19, which is the appointed Psalm for the Sunday. There's a lot of good substance and, and so, some parallel verses in there that can show that the field belongs to the sower in this parable. And Jesus says that the sower is the son of man. So the earth is still the Lord's and everything in it. Uh, that's Psalm 24, of course, but it's not just that he provides say though, the, the idea or the angle there would be that the Lord is in full control of current circumstances. Absolutely. And you can see that exemplified here in the, the control that he has and the directive he gives for the servants and the circumstances. But then also you could bring in, say, Romans 8.28. He's, what evil does happen and get carried out, the Lord promises by the power of his word to work out for our good. So he is patient. He provides good for, uh, he uses evil for good for his people. And then finally, you could say, I don't know if this is the, the perfect way to say it, but the, the third part of the triad that I would talk about is God's protection. In other words, the, the sower still watches over the field and he still controls the final harvest. And we know he, he wins. And that's the whole, the whole idea. In the end, the harvest is already determined by God and he knows. And so the final protection comes with the, the sower who then gives charge to his servants over or his harvesters over the harvest. Great. Uh, thank you, Tom. Um, hey, so good news throughout that whole last part about the it's well worth it in the end. I always like to really search for because Professor Jeske just drilled it into us about um, specific gospel, take them to the cross, take them, you know, show them their sins paid for. And I, I find that just in this simple reference of Christ to say the righteous will shine like the sun. Um, there are going to be people who, you know, digging into this text are going to say, well, who are the righteous? Is anyone righteous? And of course, we can take them to the theological truth of how a sinner can claim righteousness before God and, and mm -hmm. claim Christ as our perfection. So I think you could spend some time on that if you want to have specific gospel of sins taken away. And, and then, of course, the glory of shining like the sun. The other gospel that I found in here that I think is, is worth exploring, you don't want the sermon to become too long, but we jump over in the pericope the explanation of why Jesus taught in parables. And he said, well, because the sons of the kingdom, I mean, they, they're given insight by God himself. He 
blessed are you for having eyes that can see and ears that can hear. And then he even says that the uh, prophets and the Old Testament believers, they long to hear and see the things that you hear and see. And just the simple ending to this parable, let the one who has ears hear, um, is a good reminder that the gift of faith that God gives to you helps you to see the realities that are in here. And that that is an amazing gift that God gives. And Jesus points it out and even says, don't forget to, uh, oh, he says, blessed are those who have eyes and ears to see and hear. And that's a gift to be able to decipher parables. And that's part of what God gives us in his grace. Mm-hmm. Andy? On that point, that's the way I've concluded in the past with that, that interesting statement of Jesus, he who has ears, let him hear. It, it recalls, it resonates with, you know, uh, sentences and statements in Revelation too. But that's the way that we remain certain that we are wheat until the end by hearing and believing the one who sows the good seed. And so you keep listening diligently to the lessons of Jesus like this one until the end. And then at the harvest, what you have heard and believed, you actually see. Right, right. Yeah. Good points. Good points. I hadn't thought of that, that gospel emphasis in uh, the, the perspective or yeah, the Velton Shawang. We've used the term a couple of times here, but the, the gospel in uh, our Lord giving us this new outlook uh, on the world and our place in it as the righteous uh, by his grace. Um, theme ideas uh, or I, things that you're maybe considering or working with, Tom? I'm not doing a theme here thing, but sometimes we talk about illustrations. Um, mm-hmm. You could draw from the whole concept of monasticism for an illustration if you want that yeah. It's so contrary to what the thought is, and we're in this world, but not of this world. We're so contrary to the weeds together with the wheat. What a mistake it is for the wheat to try to find its own little corner of the field and not have any influence on the field itself. So um, you can go lots of different directions, but that might be a thought that triggers some pictures in preacher's mind. Right. Uh, Andy? Sure. Just a few simple ones uh, for themes the harvest is coming. So be patient, be prepared. Under part one, you could talk about not conforming, be realistic about the world. But then in the prepared part, the harvest is coming. Jesus wins. You know that. Um, Another one is because I think this text really speaks to what a lot of our people are grappling with is what's going on in the world. What's going on? And then part one could be something like, well, wheat and weeds are growing together. And you unfold that from the text. Then part two could be something like, but the Lord is watching over everything patiently until the end. And the end, you know, that's where you could pursue then the, the goal of the harvest that Jesus will bring about. Yeah. One that I have used a theme I've used is uh, what do you do with weeds? Um, Just kind of using the language of the parable and the first section uh, grow among them. And then the second section, uh, let God do the gardening. I think I stole that as a theme from one of my friends. Uh, but uh, yeah, so again, talking about the, the paradox that the, the parable brings out, growing among the weeds uh, in letting our light shine, uh, but recognizing uh, the Lord is going to bring about his righteous judgment in time. So living with that tension. Uh, Tom? I was just going to say an observation. Um, I really tried hard to try to come up with something clever for a theme. 
um, even tried to go down the realm of wheat beers and that kind of stuff, but that just wasn't going to happen. So every once in a while, you just got to surrender and say the simplest kind of theme is the best way to get the message across this Sunday. So right. sometimes we try to outsmart ourselves and expose our ignorance. Andy? Yeah. I just, I, I thought what you brought up with the, the weeds or the gardening is, is really fun as far as your discussion about paradoxes too, because we just had some landscaping done in our backyard and I, I specifically asked the landscaper with what he had put down and how he had laid it all out, whether or not we'd have to worry about weeds. This is the desert after all. And he said, nah, not, not for a few years at least. Well, we got the sprinklers going and what'd you find second week after all the work is done, some weeds. But the paradox is in this context that Jesus says, let them grow, let them grow. So it's just interesting. What do you do with weeds? Normally you go after them. You got to, you know, I remember my dad gardening. He'd spend days in the summertime, just weeding the garden alone before you ever pick any of the, the produce. But in this context, just R-E-L-A-X, relax, be patient, let the weeds grow for now. Yeah, my illustration um, uh, for this comes from uh, years ago, there was a spot in our, the edge of our, our lawn where uh, the soil was kind of bad and nothing would really grow. So we decided we would just get a wildflower mix and plant wildflowers along kind of along the neighbor's fence. Um, and uh, so we planted the wildflower mix and uh, the, the you know plants started to grow um, after, with some watering. And uh, then we thought well, we should probably pull the weeds out um, from the wildflowers so that the flowers can grow. But you can maybe see the problem here. There's so many different types of plants. We have no idea what, what the weeds are and what the flowers are. So you just kind of have to let them grow and, uh, and, and wait and see. Um, and my other uh, illustration was maybe uh, on the uh, to illustrate, you know, being patient and waiting for the Lord's judgment. I remember another time I, uh, I had weeds growing in my lawn, so I decided to put down some weed killer. So the spots in my lawn where there were a lot of weeds, I did not have a lot of experience with this. I thought I am going to put down extra weed killer to make sure I kill all the weeds. Well, it did kill the weeds. Um, it also killed the grass because it burned it out. You know, I was overzealous in doing that. So, um, so if you want to illustrate the parable based on my uh, escapades in lawn care or failures in lawn care, feel free. Um, any, any final thoughts for, for preachers as, uh, they look at this parable, Tom, I was just going to say for preachers themselves to take to heart, it can be very discouraging at times to see other churches or other church or other religions being successful. And we can take that to heart. I, I remember when we first started here in Las Vegas, we were in a uh, office building and through the window which you could see when you were looking at the preacher you could see across the street was a mormon meeting house and uh, mm -hmm. the cars would just keep pouring in while we were in church you know and we would have maybe 30 or 40 people in church and the cars would pour in one sunday they used our parking lot too because they were so overflowed and and the people were sort of discouraged by that and it's a good good reminder that uh our goal our project is to continue to help the wheat grow with the means of grace and right. let the Lord sort it out. Right. Yep. Yep. Keep on growing among them. Uh, let, let the Lord uh, sustain us by his grace and, uh, and, and who knows um, how many more uh, he will sow among us too uh, with his good seed. 
right. Well, we'll leave it there for today, but thank you, Tom and Andy, for your thoughts. And God bless you, preachers, as you go about uh, helping your people wrestle uh, with this tension of, of living as wheat among the weeds.